Welcome to a special bonus episode of Cinemaholics. That's right, we love giving you bonus shows because bonus shows mean bonus reviews. Because, well, there's a new movie coming out this weekend. And I know everyone's talking about Super Mario Brothers, the Super Mario Brothers movie, this, the Super Mario Brothers movie, that. There's another movie, though, hitting theaters April 5th that is kind of the counter-programming. And we're, we're going to talk about it now, a little bit ahead of time, because we both have seen it. I'm, of course, John Negroni from the internet, San Francisco Bay Area, whatever. And he's Will Ashton from who knows, who cares? Hmm. Hey, we're talking bonuses, I guess. Uh, where's my bonus? Your bonus? You got yeah. a Christmas bonus, remember? I oh. gave it to you and you said, I will forget this. And not, mm. if I bring it up again, pretend that, uh, yeah. I don't know. We need to talk business, I guess. We need to renegotiate the terms of our yes. deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll put it all on the line right now. Will Ashton, Ben Affleck is back. Yeah. Ben's back. Ben is Call back. Call Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges, because Ben is back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he's he's directed a few films. He's directed this new one, uh, which he co-stars in. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, the movie belongs to Matt Damon. Yep. Right? So, this is the, the main character. The first movie that Ben directed that stars his good buddy, Matt Damon. That is true. That is true. So he's directed films like Argo, yes. Town, yep. Live by Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I forgetting? There's another one. Gone Baby two, right? Gone. Gone Baby Gone. Best yeah. one, in my opinion. In your opinion, that's the best one, huh? Probably, yeah. What's your... I, I would pick... I'd pick The Town. Uh, town second but, best, I think. I really like that one. Great Jeremy Renner performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I gotta say, I, I don't love uh, Argo. And, uh, you know, but uh, I'm not gonna... Argo something yourself? Argo yourself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movie was fake, Will, but the mission was real. You I mean, I don't know. I will say like at the time, I mean Argo I feel like was getting kinda of overhyped. Like I think it's like a good movie, mm-hmm. not a great one. Uh I feel like a lot of, a lot of the praise was also thrown to the script, which I I like, but people were acting like it was like one of the best scripts ever. And I was like, yeah, it's like it's like a solid film. But I will say those last like 30, 40 minutes are extremely well directed. Like just Yeah, they're very tense. Yeah. 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 You know what? That that's a good way to pivot into air because one thing that I think Affleck does quite well is he's good at picking cinematographers. Uh, for this one, he picked a cinematographer who's done movies for Tarantino, sure, for Scorsese. That's Robert Richardson. What and I best. think without without Richardson's work here, I think that this movie wouldn't be nearly as like impressive as it is overall because well, it, it, it the way it's shot at least. I was a little confused because I know I saw that credit at the beginning and I was a little surprised throughout the movie that was him like it's not the cinematography is bad like everything about the movie without saying too much about it ahead of time is competently done but i i never really got the sense like oh i'm watching like one of our best cinematographers at work here in the same way that i did it's more of like he's elevating humble material so he's making like the mundane like kind of move well it's like a different plus of cinematography besides like okay yeah it's not blade runner 2049 Mm -hmm. But the sense of place, the sense of location, yeah, I think that's all good. I mean, just compared to like his previous film, which I believe was Emancipation. Now that's a film where I'm like, was the you know color grading team trying to like sabotage his career? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on here? Like this, I, I couldn't believe that was Robert Richardson. This one was more like, okay, like it's nicely done. Like I can tell a sharp cinematographer is on board. I just never got the sense that like I was watching one of our masters outside of like a few like handsomely made shots, like all the stuff with like the spinning camera, you know, like when one person's in one place and another person stands there and they're now in a circle and the camera's circling around them. And I'm just like, this is money, 
baby. This is this is yeah, poetry emotion. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's just I, I just think it's great that Affleck was able to get him again. Uh, they've worked together one time before, and uh, yeah, good collaboration there. Uh, so he writes this movie, co-writes this movie with Ben Affleck, but also Jason Bateman, Marlon Wayans, Chris Wait. Messina, Chris Tucker, and Viola Davis. They all wrote them. I'm just joking. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because uh, I was, it was written surprised. by Alex Convery. Right. I I initially thought when the movie was announced, it was going to be like their third writing collaboration together. That's after, what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. It, after it's so the, the reason last I goal. joked though, that everybody wrote this movie is I do get the feeling that like, you know, without getting too far ahead, like every performer kind of like wrote them their own lines. It feels like to me, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I never really got that vibe. I mean, the only actor maybe I got that sense from was Chris Tucker, but uh, definitely I, Chris Tucker. I didn't get that um, from other actors in the film. Well, maybe I'm embellishing a little bit. I'm trying to have a little bit of fun on a Thursday. Who knows? But uh, okay. So Air takes place in 1984. This is a movie. It, it's one of those movies about something that's not that consequential in the grand scheme of things. Like it's a neat little story about something bigger, like on the horizon. Right. So it's the story of how Nike tried to sell uh, Michael Jordan over to like a, a sponsorship deal with them. The twist being it's 1984. So this is right before Michael Jordan's first season with the Chicago Bulls. Now we all know the Air Jordan exists. It's the most famous, most popular sneaker of all time. And this movie kind of has that sort of like approach. Like we, we, we know, you know, <laughs> you're not going to watch this movie and be like, is Michael Jordan going to sign with, with Nike? You know, like, yeah, um, but it's more sort of about how that happened and sort of the the big, you know, the overwhelming odds against that happening. So it's it's kind of framing Nike, which uh, is, was more of an underdog, this movie posits, in the early 80s. So before the Air Jordan, before a lot of big things that happened with Nike, uh, good and bad, um, at least that we're aware of, right? And uh, before it became the behemoth it was, it was actually trailing uh, when it came to Converse and Adidas, Adidas especially, Michael Jordan wanted to sign with Adidas. It's an interesting movie in the way that it takes this Nike, which it, it's hard to think of Nike as like any kind of underdog, right? But it's like, well, you know, our main character here is Matt Damon, who kind of has to bet his entire career, his job, his livelihood, everything on this big gamble of, you know, we can't afford, it's like the money ball setup. Well, like, was- we can't afford like the... Mm-hmm the players we really want so we're gonna go all in on like unconventional choices yeah i mean the moneyball comparison works for a number of reasons but mainly in this sense because like it's taking that traditional sports underdog story and applying it to like this business institution yes. that has to kind of like go against the odds and like win the championship in this sense like in the way that mm-hmm. uh you know we, we expect from normal sports movies including the way back which is uh Ben Affleck's one of the more recent uh, Ben Affleck starring roles, which he was quite good in. Uh, yeah, so I think that's what makes it kind of fun and maybe sort of endearing in a way that you almost feel sort of bad for liking in some respects because it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to necessarily root for Nike in the like grand scheme of things, but I want to root for Matt Damon because I, I, I like this character, I like this actor, I like this guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They they kind of frame it too of like the whole Phil Knight thing, and you know, it, it, it's interesting because like the movie kind of pays lip service a little bit to the sort of like the downsides of business and how crummy it is, but it kind of also puts Nike above that in a weird way. But I mean, it's 
that's kind of what this movie needs to do in order for because it doesn't want to like overcomplicate right. the story. And and I don't know. I've seen a lot of people look at this movie and be like, oh, this is just like overhyping capitalism and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, like you can you can look at it that way if you want. Sure. But I do think that there is an interesting like. You know, if you really break it down, like what is capitalistic, it's, you know, a systemic like, you know, preying upon the people who don't really own part of the business. But this movie does have a little bit of uh, some story to the idea of like the players having some stake, having some like, you know, the revenue sharing being part of the negotiations and how that, you know, ultimately I think is it's it's capitalistic, but it's less capitalistic when the people who are like benefiting from certain things or putting their labor in are getting, you know, rewarded for that in a way that uh, isn't like brazenly greedy of like only one person gets everything, if that makes sense. So, I, you know, I, that was just like a criticism. We're like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes people just get a little bit too of like oh, movie shows capitalism, therefore bad or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially nowadays, for sure. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're necessarily fans of capitalism in the broad sense. Uh, but, I mean, I will say it's it's more about, like, fighting the bureaucracy in capitalism, I guess, here. And, like, kind of, like, proving your stake in the game in the grand scheme of, uh, you know, this wide net thing that, obviously, like you said, like, in the broad scheme of things, I don't know if this necessarily affects my life day to day. I don't have Air Jordans. Like, Michael Jordan doesn't affect my life in the broad sense. But, like, it is about like, kind of, like, courting this legend and, like, the, the footsteps, as it were, to build Michael Jordan as we know him today. Because, obviously, the Air Jordan was crucial to him building his fame and his legacy uh, as we know it now. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the filmmakers are very smart about how they kind of toe that line where it's, like, I mean, it, it is fair to call it a commercial for Nike. Like, it's not not that. But I think they're sure. <laughs> self-aware enough to, like, acknowledge that, put that in the framework of the narrative so that people, you know, can't, like... I mean, even when the movie gets called out for it, like, the movie's also calling itself out for it, but also working well within that framework enough that hits the beats that you want from a traditional dad movie such as this one. Yeah. Commercials can be entertaining, too, uh, including, yeah, a, a story like a little bit of like a Nike PR sort of like elevated puff piece that happens to be distributed by Amazon. <laughs> um, it's, it is kind of interesting how movies just, you know, exist like that now. Sure. We're, we're kind of and, in a weird time. I mean, uh, I think maybe inspired by that, Amazon's kind of taking a gamble and putting this into theaters in like a wide release. Now, granted, this is like a $90 million production. So, I mean, I don't know what other alternatives they could have other than eating that cost and hoping people watch on their service. But uh, we, don't, we don't know the exact budget. Uh, the official figures are eluding us. But it, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be somewhere between 70 and 90 million. It might be a little bit less than 90 million. So, right. But yeah, I mean, they're also kind of taking a risk and trying to like stake their claim uh, in a broad sense. And I feel like there's a weird sort of, um, you know, mixed feeling I have about that, where it's like, on the one hand, I don't know how much I want to root for Amazon as far as like they're this global empire that's going to probably take over our lives and how we live it for the next years, the next few years to come. Uh, but also, I'm kind of like, if they're going to release movies like this in theaters nationwide as counter programming to something like Super Mario Brothers, like, yeah, I want to see more movies like this. I want to support movies like this. Obviously, um, really like Ben Affleck and I want to support him making movies like this. But yeah, I also feel kind of weird like rooting for a movie like this to succeed because it means Amazon's going to get more money than they already have, which is like more than God. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, it, 
if you really look to like the history of film has always had robber barons and monopolies and studio gritty studios ripping people off. Uh, I guess I'm more of sort of like the it's our reality. And, you know, what I say has very little bearing. But I, of course, want to have my own integrity and and say what I believe about certain things. But I never really like look at this stuff as like there's something I can really effectively change about the way movies are made. And um, I can just advocate for what I want to see. I know you and many other people have said, like, we, we need more movies like this that are, you know, like you just said, a movie that's kind of, you know, not not the four quadrant it's not trying to be like for everybody it's the kind of movie that like if a kid watches it it's because their dad really likes it and they want their dad to think they're you know older you know sure. a big kid i mean yeah this is dads, kind of thing i would watch with yeah my parents yeah. right i mean dads have like three major movies this year they got air they got oppenheimer and then they got the new indiana jones so i mean in that sense i guess they're thriving but i mean those are only a select few movies in the broad scheme of the you know the movie market Right. And that's why I think that it's it's kind of interesting to me that we don't get because uh, I made this comment on Twitter where I was like, well, if, if Holly, Hollywood, it, it's interesting that they don't make movies that often that are sort of like about this, like this kind of like process or so like people doing their jobs within the sports context. And a few people, I, I one person responded, which is like, oh, well, there's Tetris and no, there's this. And I was just like, Tetris is not that kind of movie. I, I mean, it, Tetris is more of sort of like a, a heightened kind of like Cold War thriller that's about sort of the origin of Tetris going on. Like it, it has like a similar framework, but I wouldn't compare Tetris, for example, to Moneyball because we're really talking more about that underdog sports story that is like wrapped them to the business around it. Uh, a, mo- a closer comparison, I guess, would be High Flying Bird. Why is High Flying Bird so fun to watch? Because it's really fun to watch like people who are good at their jobs like trying to navigate seemingly impossible odds just through rhetoric and like taking risks and being daring. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair comparison, though. Again, I think with Moneyball, the, the comparison's more fit because it's like, ostensibly, Moneyball is like an anti-baseball movie in a sense. So like it's taking characters who are like finding the antithesis of what makes baseball special and like using that against the sport, yeah. which like in theory should be rooting against that movie is just so well made and so rousing and endearing and just like incredible filmmaking that it's just like, yeah, I'm rooting for him, even though in theory I shouldn't. And I feel like that's kind of like what's happening here too, in some respects. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Because like in that sense, it's like, well, what, what is the most valuable thing about the sport? It's like, it's kind of a comparison between like real talent of like being the best, but also art, you know? And I think that's why it's a good idea that they had Ben Affleck direct this movie and be part of it because he is, I think and people are going to like throw things at me, but he's an artist. Like, I, I think that he's making this movie not to like make a bunch of money and be on Nike's sure, yeah. side. I think that he's just genuinely wanted to make a really cool movie about a story he finds interesting. And I yeah. think that comes through. And I mean, like Ben Affleck is such a fascinating figure to me. I feel like because he is someone who, like, I think the reason why Ben Affleck is quote unquote Ben Affleck is because like he seemingly has it all, like he's good looking, he's talented. He has that movie star charisma. He's smart. You he's know, got he's, that edge, you know, he's got where that people edge. look at him and they're like, I could fix him, you know, right. He's but he also, yeah, but also he's like broken. He's been humbled a lot. 
And, you know, mm. he had like kind of a cocky ego at one point, but then like life threw him a number of curveballs. He has his own addictions to deal with and all this stuff. And he I think rather than, devil, you know, right. Rather than like let that define him, I think he's constantly kind of had like this up and down saga where it's just like he's been self aware enough to kind of acknowledge his flaws and move past them, but also kind of gets caught up in those flaws again and again. So it's like he's constantly on the down and up. And I feel like that in some respects had to inform the story in some way as a director. A hundred percent. You know what? And by the way, you know what was the last movie that Amazon released in theaters without simultaneously putting on their service? Manchester by the Sea. It was not meant not that long ago. <laughs> it was not seven years ago. Uh, it was a movie that came out. It was in 2019. I don't know if you remember it. Hmm. I mean, you remember when I say, but right. Uh, I, I may just not remember that this is an Amazon film. Mm. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's late night the mindy kaling oh yeah 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 I, I i forgot that was amazon so yeah yeah i also yeah, kind of so forgot it, about well, that sundance movie. at first and then yeah, yeah. but yeah uh, they didn't they spend like 20 million dollars something on that i don't remember how much but definitely a lot and, and it uh, did not make that hence they have not uh, made any <laughs> done this uh in a while especially because of covid too you know but yeah that movie made uh i'm looking at it here 22 million dollars um uh, but I mean, low budget, so like nine million dollar budget. Right. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like glancing. I don't, I don't see how much they paid for it. Oh, they're saying their marketing budget was roughly thirty five million dollars. So, I remember, yeah, they, yeah, they put a lot. Yes. They were really expecting a lot of things from that movie, and it did not uh, get a wide audience. People expect a lot of things from Mindy Kaling, and you sure. know, they can do that if they want. I'm yeah, not going to stop mean, him. Yeah, this, this isn't the dissing Mindy Kalen hour. Uh, <laughs> I'm, we're here talking my, about my man, Ben Affleck. What do you, well, well, we talked about Ben a bit. Uh, so Matt Damon really is like the the lead here. And it, it is, I, I know I keep bringing up Moneyball, but um, sure. it is kind of similar to Moneyball in the sense that, yeah. you know, he's he's a character who, you. I think part of the reason you root for him is because he has so much to lose. Like the movie's pretty good at delivering like really like how fraught um, this character's like life kind of is. We see him like early on, like gambling and losing and just having issues in terms of like kind of being over the hill. You know, he's a little bit overweight. He kind of feels like he's not valued at Nike. Like he kind of has a weird job. He doesn't have a secretary. He's just kind of, you know, it seems like he only really works there because he has this friendship with the Phil Knight character played by Ben Affleck. And you can kind of sense and, that everyone's a little bit like, why are you here? Yeah. Right. And I mean, I'll just say real quick, like such great use of uh, Ben and Matt's like, uh, you know, instant chemistry and just like the, le- exactly. the history that they had together where it's just like, you know, like we don't really get to see a lot of like what their friendship is but just because we know those actors and the history between them they're able to sell like okay like obviously a lot's happened between these two and they've kind of had each other's backs throughout all this time and yeah i think that's really it mirrors real life so well right i think it's really good use of their chemistry yeah because his his job is a little bit more it's not flashy he mainly just goes to like basketball like high school tournaments and you know he scouts you know he's like oh here here are the players i think you should do they literally have a scene that's like right out of moneyball where they're all sitting in the boardroom they're all trying to figure out like who are we going to get what are we going to do and he's the one who's just sort of like you guys are dumb but i'm smart and i'm willing to take a shot that you guys didn't see coming and then yeah mm-hmm. yeah there i mean that's go. the scene for me like where the movie kind of like clicks into place because at the beginning of it i was yeah. a little kind of like eh, i don't know i'm not really like seeing 
what people the are 80s seeing montage this movie. was so yeah. unnecessary it's like we know the 80s exists thanks yeah and then like like jason bateman like every line of dialogue he has in like the first 10 minutes of this movie is like an 80s reference yeah. and it's just like <laughs> calm down guy <laughs> like um, i know uh, yeah it's like you're acting like a real super mario I'm like right wait, wait, and then also do? the soundtrack at this point is just constant 80s needle drops to and that's throughout the film i should say but i mean like they really lay it on thick at the beginning I, of this I've been, movie i've been hurting for a movie that weaves its soundtrack in a little bit better air is not that movie no <laughs> for a lot of it but it's better than i would say i'd say it's about as good as tetris which is like okay okay and uh ugh, it's way better than super mario super mm. mario is like the orchestral music and super mario is fantastic but like the needle drops are just, it, it reminds me of like how mad people got at Cruella <laughs> for oh. those needle drops. <laughs> Pretty yeah. similar. I haven't seen but, uh, the new Mario yet, but uh, I'll take your word for it. I'll see it soon. You will. And, uh, okay. But back to air. Uh, we, we don't have really like, it's a Michael Jordan movie without Michael Jordan, right? Like, uh, there's just like an actor who kind of, you see like the back of his head. Uh, I think it was Alonzo Duraldi. He said, uh, it reminds him of like it's like Ben Hur, like Michael Jordan is Jesus, and so like you never, you know, not really about uh, you know Jesus, but it's, you know it's Ben Hur. It's about Ben Hur. Um, so I think it's pretty fitting. I mean, I thought that was a pretty smart choice on their part. It, it's a little yeah. weird at times, like like whenever you like see him in different board meetings and we just don't see Michael, it's a little odd. But I do think like any actor, any young actor, I mean, who is like probably going to get this is like their first major role and has to play. The Michael Jordan, I feel, is just going to be set up to lose. And the only person like, who could even come close to understanding how it feels would be Michael B. Jordan. Right. But, yeah, he's too old. But also, it also kind of helps to sell the idea of like Michael isn't just Michael. He's like this idea that's going to be bigger than larger than life. So, right. like, the and idea that we. It's really his parents shepherding him right. in. And that's why they focus so much on the Viola Davis character. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we do see like archival footage of Michael Jordan. No uh, archival footage of Space Jam, though, uh, I, I did notice. But they skipped uh, over that a little yeah. bit uh, to see how <laughs> I, it is. During that like, roots. Yeah. I mean, without giving away the context of it, there's like a big uh, like life montage of Michael Jordan towards like a climactic boardroom meeting. Uh, it, it's literally like a Mad Men scene. Sure. Basically. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. the whole pitch thing is straight out of Mad Men. You can tell. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought a lot about Mad Men watching this movie, and I feel like it's kind of fitting because like, I've been watching uh, Mad Men on Amazon, and it kind of informed it. Like, <laughs> I feel like this movie, and I'll get more into that, like the streamingness of it later. But I'll say, as far as uh, that scene is concerned, I just kept waiting in that montage to be like, are they going to show it? Are they going to show like they're going to do you know, it? They're gonna Michael do Jordan it. getting kissed by Bugs Bunny? Are they going to show the scene <laughs> where Michael Jordan becomes a basketball and he's like bounced on the court and thrown into the net? Are they just going to like are they show gonna, some? Are they going to pull a? Are they going to pull a babble? on and just yeah. like skip right, right. over it. <laughs> no i i was one i was genuinely curious and obviously we don't see any uh uh clips from it and i was initially kind of peeved by it but then i took a moment to collect myself and i realized oh they're saving that for the sequel jam wow okay <laughs> well i was actually about to mention that i think this movie has a good shot at being really successful you know, maybe not being like the, a massive, massive hit, but, you know, having some legs, maybe just, you know, being a pretty solid uh, run throughout April and making some money. I, I definitely think that's within realm. But if it does really well, I think that this could be like the precursor to a full on like Michael Jordan biopic. I think we're only like, I, I feel like that's got to be coming. 
You know, I, th- I think that they see like the success of the sure. last dance, the fact that, yeah, it's been a long time since Jordan retired and, you know, they, they might also be looking at it like he's, he's definitely like in a, in a place in his life where they, it might be a little bit easier to have him sort of like sign off on something. I don't know, but mm. yeah, I mean, I could definitely see like if they could find that young actor, right. Sure. Who can really channel like Michael Jordan. I mean that now that's a biopic. Like we're talking like money bag eyes, you know, Oscar mm. season. Like sure. I saw some people saying like, this is like an Oscar poll and I'm like, okay if you would think so i guess like i don't i, mean, I don't really see oscars for this necessarily but you know i'll see i think amazon will push that. for it i don't know if that's what they're thinking sure. uh in the broad scheme of things i don't think they would have released this in april if that's what they were thinking uh and, unless you know, they think this could be in everything everywhere that came out in april maybe and i don't know i mean this also premiere at south by yeah i don't know i mean like basketball the, the basketball season's not happening right now right uh, so yeah, I mean, this movie's coming at the end of March Madness, so right. college basketball's over, and right. yeah, we're kind of, I think, uh, NBA Finals. I'm, I'm just, not like a huge basketball person, so right. I just feel like traditionally speaking, and I could be very wrong on this, but I feel like usually, like when you have a sports movie, the smarter play is not to release it like during like when that sport is having a season, because like you know, like if you were, like release a baseball movie during the baseball season, people are kind of like, oh, I can just like watch baseball on TV. Like I don't have to go to the movies. But like if you have a baseball movie when there's not baseball on TV, people are like, oh, baseball. I like baseball. I'll go to the movies to see baseball. I mean, yeah, it's a good time because the NBA finals are not until June. So, you know, there's definitely still like the playoffs and everything. Everything's going to be kind of heightened. Right. But, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even know if they're that keened in keenden honed in whatever you want to say on basketball fans because again it's a lot like moneyball in the sense that it's not Mm -hmm. really about the sport it's also not really about the shoes really like if i mean you get a little bit of it it is kind of interesting i thought to learn a little bit about like what was the rivalry like between the different shoe companies at this time you know we have our like jerry Maguire character and chris messina so you have you know i think you really do have a lot like a, a parallels with jerry Maguire because you have like the sure, yeah, black yeah. character really mirroring you know the viola davis character yeah, there she has her own uh show me the money kind of sequence i guess not, she does. not she in does. the same uh style but certainly in the same uh uh um cadence i guess in some ways yeah yeah, I think I think one of the pluses about this movie is that it does have a really good cast. I think everybody here kind of comes into their character so well that even though not a ton happens in this movie, it doesn't have the most compelling scenes. A lot of the scenes are just characters just kind of talking in the Nike office. It's kind of chill in that sense. But I think like every character is just kind of interesting to watch. Like the Christmas Cena character has like just such an interesting vibe that's like really scummy, but also an interesting like kind of quirk on that scumminess. I think uh, the Jason Bateman character, he's you know, he's a little bit more of like that voice of reason character. He's not the most fun, but he just is like so functional to the story. He just, just a constant like soundboard for Matt Damon to kind of contrast the two characters. Like you can just see that. I think, um, Affleck knows how to like construct these scenes in a way where like scene to scene, you're kind of moving to different energies and it's always propelling the story. Like the Chris Tucker character too. Mm -hmm. Like he, he kind of like contrasts the Jason Bateman character in the sense that he's a little bit more inspirational, but he's also realistic. He's also a little bit like realistic in a more practical sense. And yeah, I think it's, uh, it's well done there. And and, and I mean, gosh, when we get to the point where uh, Matt Damon is sitting with Viola Davis, I mean, it's just like magic. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, back. I mean, I mean, it's not only as I think uh, the movie, like all the performances are good, and I think Affleck is good about directing actors. I think it's also just good casting. Like yeah. everyone's kind of like, like we talked about before, like having um, Ben use his history with uh, Matt is really effective. I also think like having, because like Ben isn't playing Phil Knight in like the strictest sense. Like I don't think he's like completely authentic to like who phil knight is but i think he's kind of having fun with the idea of like using you know his own like kind of like high-minded uh arrogance arrogance, but also like kind of like his own like maybe bouts of like pretentiousness and stuff like that but like in like a self-aware like kind of fun way like the idea of just like he is really smart he is like a good businessman they also just kind of like says like weird things that like people don't really understand but they still like not their head Right. He's just like Bert Cooper down to yeah. like having the shoes off. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but yeah, Bert I mean, Cooper is a reference to Mad Men for listeners who don't mm, know the show. Yeah. Be sure to listen to Mad Men Men wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, I, but yeah, I mean, I think Jason Bateman is just really smartly executed here. Uh, Viola Davis Martin obviously Wayans, is always though. Marlon Wayans, I was going to get to him, but I was going to say Chris Tucker, I think, is good just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying that like, yeah. he is like someone who like we know is like, been like the big hot shot the fast talking money man but like he's a little bit weathered here in a, a really smart effective way like the idea of, like his glory days are like, kind of behind him but he still has like that energy that that chutzpah but like you can kind of tell like you know the fire is kind of going out of his eyes a little bit he's not like on the in the big leagues anymore and i think that's really smart use of uh chris tucker but yeah marlon wayne's the most interesting casting choice because it's not like the only actor here like who's giving a type of performance you don't really expect from that act yeah, I you know, and I looked into this after the fact because I was like, you know, it, it just seemed a little bit like what was the full on function of this character? You know, it, it felt a little bit like, you know, what what he adds to the story, like what is it? And so it turns out that it was just kind of like a request from Michael Jordan to include somebody as George Raveling, and so they, you know, they had Marlon Wayans, and I, I think that that's kind of interesting. I, although, do I have that right, or was it Chris Tucker that they included as Howard White? I might actually have that wrong. So let me well, double fact check myself there. I mean, I know Michael had a history with both. Like they talk about that in the end credits. Okay, so. yeah, sorry. So. I, yeah, I misremembered that. So Jordan, specifically, Michael Jordan, the real Michael Jordan, requested that Howard White be included in the movie. And so that, and then they cast Chris Tucker. So sorry, I, okay. it was not George Raffley. Gotcha. Apologies. I mean, I do know that he supposedly only gave uh, Viola Davis as a choice for his mom. Like when they asked, like, who should play your mom? He's like, Viola Davis is the only person that could do it. So, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... um. I wonder how he feels, you know, like uh, watching a movie where he's like, it's interesting, right? It's like the mythos of his own self is like hovering over this movie, but like you don't really see him much. It must be so, I don't know. I could imagine that being really surreal. I don't know. I think Michael Jordan's whole life is surreal. So it's like, I don't know, like this is probably, you know, not that (laughs) much for him. Um, The one thing I will say is that I did think it was kind of interesting that they, they downplayed Michael's dad in the scheme of it. Like, I feel like because he's such a pivotal figure in Michael's life, like I was kind of like expecting like one scene where like he really factored into it, but it was mostly Viola Davis, which makes sense. But it's also kind of like, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that that, I guess there might be a sense of like trying to be sensitive and try not to like make any missteps there. (laughs) That could like, no, the whole thing. Right. I get it. I'm not saying like they have to like, checker him in any sort of way i'm just saying that like i just, just felt like include were, him more right i'm just saying it's right. probably riskier to do that yeah it just seemed like most of his role was just 
smiling and nodding. <laughs> yeah, which for all we know could be pretty accurate to, to sure. real life, right? Uh, the, the only other, I, I have to m- mention Matthew Marr, who plays Peter Moore, the designer of the shoe. Oh, those so good had to be my, Those yeah. had to be my favorite scenes of like, you know, they're trying to get the pitch together. They're, you know, you have the Sonny Vaccaro character mm-hmm. coming up to him being like, I need you to make the most beautiful shoe ever made in like a day. And he's just like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's just brilliant. Uh, yeah. Oh. No, I don't, I don't want to spoil him, but he has so many good like one-liners in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it was also just fun to see him in a prominent role like this coming off of Funny Pages where he's fantastic in. Uh, and he's also worked a lot with Ben Affleck. I know, I know he's in... I think like three or four of his other directorial efforts. So like he's, he's, he had a long history with um, Ben Affleck and I feel like this is like a nice little like, Hey, like you've been my friend for a long time. You you keep doing good work. Here's like a nice, like prominent supporting role for you. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. He was in uh live by night and gone baby gone. Right. And uh, yeah. was he also he in um, Jersey girl too? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was also in either Argo or the town, but maybe I'm misremembering. He might be, I don't remember. Um, but okay. Uh, I was also, you know, I mean, I, I will say, well, that uh, I didn't like, I thought it was a little weird when they went up to him and were just like, so, you know, where are you going to build? I had a kid make the shoe for me. And, and I thought that was a little bit like insensitive to like, the, I'm just joking. That didn't happen. But I thought, you know, <laughs> I had to, I had to address that, you know, real quick. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the movie does not really address that. So, uh, what, I can understand wait, what are we why talking d- about, Will? What should, should we, should we mention yeah. it? We're being a little cryptic. I mean, if you want to address it, that's totally fine with me. It's more than the movie does. <laughs> uh, let's just say, like, Nike has had some certain uh, scandals in sure. terms of their factories and uh, yeah, worker I mean, abuse and stuff like that. Right. I mean, I was trying to kind of allude to that at the beginning in a more vague way. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, if you want to read about Nike's history, they, they do not have a clean past. We'll put yeah. it that way. Or even a clean present, I, I would even argue. And I'll be honest, uh, I haven't really kept up with the you know, how things have hopefully improved. This was something that it was a big thing in the nineties. So sure. I, I just had to, I had to bring it up. Cause I was like, oh, I guess not all, a lot of our listeners probably just don't, you know, aren't old enough or maybe not even, even if they were not really aware. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. none, none of the shoe companies have uh, their, their shoes clean. Uh, I think it would be uh, fair to say uh, anything else about air that you wanted to address. I mean, we didn't even really like give a general sort of like opinion. I think that, right. People can kind of read into like what we're saying, but I think we both, you know, liked it. I think this it's is fun. Good, yeah, it's a cool movie. It's definitely not like a blast, for, you know, from start to finish. I'm not like shouting its praises or anything, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, had a lot of fun watching it. Um, it was just refreshing to see a movie like this uh, for adults, catered towards adults. You know, smart, well made, competent, well acted well executed i I've, i feel like it's the type of movie that i'm uh wavering between like it's pretty good or good like I, I feel like it's not like sturdy enough to be like an outright good film but it's like better than just like pretty good um i think a lot of that just kind of comes down to the fact that it, it is like following a format that is like a well-worn shoe uh you know i guess pun sort of intended there like it's like you know it's not really a break in the mold in any but particularly uh, notable sense it is a very just ni- right doesn't it you know sure uh i mean it's obviously uh you know paying a lot of homage and love to the 80s in a way that's a little grating but it feels more like a 90s movie obviously like you said jerry Maguire is a clear kind of uh uh point of reference for this type of film uh and i feel like 
that's kind of key to its charm and also what I think kind of holds it back in some respects. Like, I feel like it doesn't really like end up being more than what it is. And that's fine. I mean, I enjoy it, but I also kind of feel like it is very understandable that this is a movie made by Amazon. Like, I didn't really pay a lot of mind to that when I went into the theater, but like watching it, I was like, even though it fits well in the theater and like I'm enjoying it, I'm glad I saw it with an audience. I feel like this is a movie that's kind of made with like a streaming audience in mind, like a type of audience who are like, homebound on a Sunday afternoon. They like, you know, are on the couch. They don't want to really go anywhere and they're flipping through Amazon prime. It's like, Oh, air. Okay. Good cast. Okay. Let's see this. I feel like that's like the target audience for this movie and that's fine. It's, it's cool. I I also kind of feel like it doesn't uh, match like the prestige of like Ben Affleck's previous three directorial features, but at the same time, certainly better than the live by night. Yeah. And I think the key there is that it's not trying to be that prestigious sort of thing, which is why I was kind of confused that people were sort of like trying to read that into this movie's prospects as like, this is a prestigious award winning film. I just don't, I don't get the sense that it's even really angling for that necessarily more than any other film might. It, it just kind of is a movie that I think is operating off of, like you said, a pretty, pretty well-known formula. It's not trying to deviate for the sake of it. It's not trying to be over the top and, and what it's after. It's just kind of, it is what it is. It's uh, I mean, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's part of like, I think Ben Affleck's like whatever, like 70th comeback in the sense of like, you know, he's, you know, he had <laughs> like, still uh, saying that? well, I mean, in the sense of like, I think he, now he's like pretty firmly back, uh, you know, still memeable as ever. But like, I feel like, um, you know, like after like the whole Justice League debacle and like him kind of going back into like his alcoholism and then like his like marriage falling apart. But then now he's like back with J-Lo, you know, he seems to be kind of, you know, much more fit, seems to be a lot more healthier and it seems to be, uh, you know, uh, healthy he's and like sober. a bit of a spark in his eye you know like mm-hmm. he's kind of like looking right at us now like right. before it was like he had that like kind of vacant expression yeah like he just really didn't want to be in movies on right. t- in these like press junkets yeah yeah especially off of like uh the press junket for batman v superman yeah uh yeah but justice uh league, yeah yeah i mean well the whole the justice league experience i feel like wasn't uh especially fun for him uh but yeah no i mean it seems like he's firmly kind of like on his feet again you know like i feel like this movie is pretty nimble in his execution like i don't feel it's like him taking like a big screen swing but like uh i feel like it's him like just kind of like reestablishing himself just kind of proving himself once more working in his element well and uh yeah i mean it's a it's a fun breezy piece of entertainment I have to agree with you there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be out in theaters this weekend. I expect it'll do well. I mean, and the problem it faces is not that it's not a movie that people will come out to see. It's just that the competition is fierce right now. Sure. Um, I think, you know, Super Mario, I mean, obviously, but we still have John Wick in theaters. We still mm-hmm. have Scream. We still have Cocaine Bear, apparently. I thought Cocaine Bear was out. Nope. <laughs> Uh, that, it's actually, yeah. uh, it's already in theaters. It came out Wednesday, the same day as, uh, Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, Super Mario Brothers cause of the holiday weekend. Right. So it's on a, it's on a five day weekend. It's made $3.3 million so far. So we don't really have a picture yet though, of how it's going to do because of that, like how that's going to spread out and how it's going to do in the next few days. But happy we were able to talk about it now because, uh, yeah, I, I do think that some people are going to be watching and are going to be kind of curious of, uh, what critics think. But on that note, Will, we should play the Rotten Tomatoes game. And I think you've already kind of gotten yeah. some, uh, you, you've seen the score at some point, right? So it might well, be different, might be the same. 
Uh, I actually didn't see the score. I don't think I, I was told the score uh, by my friend. By, by, oh, wow. my friend Dan, uh, uh, I think informed me of the score. But I, I just I imagine actually, you and Dan were at the YMCA shooting hoops, and he was just like, I wish. "Speaking." Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I I think I had heard someone on Twitter like say it at, initially, so I, I it wasn't like a sh- I, I had heard kind of like the idea of like what it was because I knew initially uh it's up by southwest it had like 100 percent when it premiered there at the end of the festival yeah and then uh from what i've been told it's kind of stayed there but not, like not at 100 percent exactly but like it went to like 99 percent and i imagine by now it's probably dipped a little bit but i don't think it's like you know outside of the like top 90 percentile so i'm gonna say well hold on i haven't told you how many reviews have been counted okay. that's important right 155 so i don't know if that shapes anything at all but because some context for people listening uh i'm gonna go and say i'm, I'm gonna go a little bit lower uh just because i feel like you know there more reviews are coming out so maybe you know maybe some more people talking uh smack about the movie's capitalistic efforts and you know it's kind of formulaic structure or whatever but so i think it's a hard movie to dislike i think broadly speaking so i'm gonna say 97 percent. so 97 however you are off by two Okay, so it is still 99%. I, mean, I was about to ask, you think 95 or 99, but uh, no, it's 95, 95%. Oh, okay, so it did go down, but it, more it than I down. thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been it's been steadily dropping, and it might continue, uh, for all we know, because uh, we probably still have another 100 reviews or so to hit Rotten Tomatoes for this one. We'll, we'll see, though. Uh, but for audience score, we have 250-plus verified ratings. We kind of have like, an initial wave, people who've, seen, who've caught this one already. What do you think? Uh, I imagine audiences are going to be digging it. Um, I don't know if it's as high as the critic score, but I'm going to say 93%. Ooh, a bit higher. Okay. It's higher than 93%. Give me one more guess. Is it 98%? Yes, it is 98%. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, you had a nice. one in six shot. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, Matt Damon, I had all on the line and i just went for it so there you go <laughs> i like i like the decisiveness too you were just like well if it's not 93 i know what it is right well i don't know uh, i mean i'm inspired by the movies you know uh chutzpah and you know it's it's like yeah. forwardness we do already have a cinema score i was i actually didn't uh, think we would but we do uh what do you think it is uh a minus it is an a okay, cool. higher. you keep underestimating this movie well no i mean I overestimated it for the yeah, critics. Yeah, it's because of the first one. The first one has like scarred you, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, last we have uh, Letterboxd, our favorite app of choice for movies. Uh, I shouldn't say yours, it's mine. Um, but okay, 11,000 watches on Letterboxd. Not a lot. So we don't really have, I think, like a really decent picture of how this will go over on <laughs> Letterboxd because it's like pretty low so far. Uh, but no, give your best guess. Average rating. Uh, I'm going to say 40 or sorry, 4.1. A bit lower. You overestimated mm. again. I, I I spoke too soon, huh? Uh, 3.8. Okay. A little bit lower. Makes sense. Good, Good guess score. considering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have friends of the show who were all about this one. You know, I'm seeing like Matt Donato gave it three and a half. Aaron Dicer gave it four. Uh, Isaac Feldberg gave it two and a half. But you, yeah. you know him. He loves to have fun. And uh, yeah, Kimber <laughs> have Myers. Have fun by not liking a movie? <laughs> yeah, he likes to spice things up. That's why we love him. Uh, Kimber Myers gave it four and a half. Um, she's a big fan. Yeah. So. Amanda the Jedi gave it three and a half. Uh, Amanda the Jedi, yeah. So 
that is air. It is going to be out in theaters this weekend. We will be back to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie uh, later on and uh, plenty of other things coming down the pipeline. So thank you as always for listening. We'll see you on the next one. From the Internet California, I'm Johnny Gurney. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Will Ashton. Shoot some hoops with you next time.